Okay. Eric is just finishing up his caperberry, and then um, we're turning to 1 Kings chapter 10, <laughs> 10 and 11 today, and also 2 Chronicles 9. I just have no idea what to say to you sometimes. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. We're going to have a visitor today, Eric. Are we? Mm-hmm. Well, I hope it's someone fun. <laughs> I hope it's someone important. I think it's, I think it's a queen. Oh, it better be someone important, because uh, quite frankly, to be interrupted. So, okay, we're okay. jumping back. Yeah. Jumping into back. the narrative. Narrative is the story. So we've been taking a pause. We read the, the Proverbs and uh, Ecclesiastes, and now we're going to jump back into the narrative. And so we've the dedication of the temple, and Solomon's kind of just killing it as king. And then today, uh, Chip's favorite character of the entire Bible comes, uh, the person he models his life after, the Queen of Sheba. Yeah. So, 1 Kings chapter 10, visit of the Queen of Sheba. Hmm. When the Queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, which brought honor to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold, and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all of her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers, and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, Everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom, it's true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. I see why you love her so much, Chip. Then she gave the king a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold, great quantities of spices, and precious jewels. Never again were so many spices brought in in as those the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. In addition, Hiram's ships brought gold from Ophir, and they also brought rich cargoes of red sandalwood and precious jewels. The king used the sandalwood to make railings for the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, and to construct lyres and harps for the musicians. Never before or since has there been such a supply of sandalwood. King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba whatever she asked for, besides all the customary gifts he had so generously given. Then she and all her attendants returned to their own land. Solomon's wealth and splendor. Each year, Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. This did not include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders all the kings of Arabia, and the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, each weighing more than 15 pounds. He also made 300 smaller shields of hammered gold, each weighing nearly 4 pounds. The king placed these shields in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. Then the king made a huge throne, decorated with ivory and overlaid with fine gold. The throne had six steps and a rounded back. There were armrests on both sides of the seat, and the figure of a lion stood on each side of the throne. There were also twelve other lions, one standing on each of the six steps. No other throne in all the world could be compared with it. 
All of King Solomon's drinking cups were solid gold, as were all the utensils in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. They were not made of silver, for silver was considered worthless in Solomon's day. Well, the king had a fleet of trading ships of Tarshish that sailed with Hiram's fleet. Once every three years, the ships returned, loaded with gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. That was random. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'll take it. Get those, get those apes. So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth. People from every nation came to consult him and to hear the wisdom God had given him. Year after year, everyone who visited brought him gifts of silver and gold, clothing, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. Solomon built up a huge force of chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horses. He stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some near him in Jerusalem. The king made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone. Invaluable cedar timber was as common as the sycamore fig trees that grow in the foothills of Judah. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Cilicia. The king's traders acquired them from Cilicia at the standard price. At that time, chariots from Egypt could be purchased for 600 pieces of silver and horses for 150 pieces of silver. They were then exported to the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Aram. Okay, we're going to jump forward here to 2 Chronicles now, chapter 9. Uh -uh. Oh, no, we're not. Okay. Man, I'm just not, you know, I'm not good at this. Yeah, you got to talk about his many wives first. I do have to. Yeah, yes. we've got to address it. Please. The elephant in the room. Yeah. <laughs> First Kings, chapter 11, don't even. Okay. Solomon's many wives. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. Yeah. What do you know? Yeah. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God, as his father David had been. Solomon worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. In this way, Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to follow the Lord completely, as his father David had done. On the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, he even built a pagan shrine for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab and another for Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Solomon built such shrines for all his foreign wives to use for burning incense and sacrificing to their gods. The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of the Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. So now the Lord said to him, Since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. But for the sake of your father David, I will not do this while you are still alive. I will take the kingdom away from your son, and even so, I will not take away the entire kingdom. I will let him be king of one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, my chosen city. Solomon's adversaries. Then the Lord raised up Hadad, the Edomite, a member of Edom's royal family, to be Solomon's adversary. Years before, David had defeated Edom. Joab, his army commander, had stayed to bury some of the Israelite soldiers who had died in battle. While there, they killed every male in Edom. Joab and the army of Israel had stayed there for six months, killing them. But Hadad and a few of his um, father's royal officials, they escaped and headed for Egypt. Hadad was just a boy at the time. They set out from Midian and went to Paran, where others joined them. 
Then they traveled to Egypt and went to Pharaoh, who gave them a home, food, and some land. Pharaoh grew very fond of Hadad and gave him his wife's sister in marriage, the sister of Queen Taphanes. She bore him a son named Ganubath. Taphanes raised him in Pharaoh's palace among Pharaoh's own sons. When the news reached Hadad in Egypt that David and his commander Joab were both dead, he said to Pharaoh, let me return to my own country. Why, Pharaoh asked him, what do you lack here that makes you want to go home? Nothing, he replied, but even so, please let me go home. God also raised up Rezin, son of Eliada, as Solomon's adversary. Rezan had fled from his master. King Hadadezer of Zobah and, and had become the leader of a gang of rebels. After David conquered Hadadezer, Rezin and his men fled to Damascus, where he became king. Rezin was Israel's bitter adversary for the rest of Solomon's reign, and he made trouble just as Hadad did. Rezin hated Israel intensely and continued to reign in Aram. Jeroboam rebels against Solomon. Another rebel leader was Jeroboam, son of Nebat, one of Solomon's own officials. He came from the town of Zerida in Ephraim, and his mother was Zeruah, a widow. This is the story behind his rebellion. Solomon was rebuilding the support terraces and repairing the walls of the city of his father David. Jeroboam was a very capable young man, and when Solomon saw how industrious he was, he put him in charge of the labor force from the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh and descendants of Joseph. One day, as Jeroboam was leaving Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh met him along the way. Ahijah was wearing a new cloak. The two of them were alone in a field, and Ahijah took hold of the new cloak he was wearing and tore it into twelve pieces. Then he said to Jeroboam, Take ten of these pieces, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon, and I will give ten of the tribes to you. But I will leave them... But I will leave him one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. For Solomon has abandoned me and worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Moloch, the god of the Ammonites. He has not followed my ways and done what is pleasing in my sight. He has not obeyed my decrees and regulations as David his father did. But I will not take the entire kingdom from Solomon at this time for the sake of my servant David, the one who I chose and who obeyed my commands and decrees. I will keep Solomon as leader for the rest of his life. But I'll take the kingdom away from his son and give ten of the tribes to you. His son will have one tribe so that the descendants of David, my servant, will continue to reign. Shining like a lamp in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen to be the place for my name. And I will place you on the throne of Israel, and you'll rule over that all that your heart desires. If you listen to what I tell you and follow my ways and do whatever I consider to be right, and if you obey my decrees and commands as my servant David did, then I'll always be with you. I'll establish an enduring dynasty for you as I did for David, and I will give Israel to you. Because of Solomon's sin, I will punish the descendants of David, though not forever. Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, but he fled to King Shishak of Egypt and stayed there until Solomon died. Summary of Solomon's reign. The rest of the events of Solomon's reign, including all his deeds and his wisdom, are recorded in the book of the Acts of Solomon. Solomon ruled in Jerusalem over Israel for 40 years. When he died, he was buried in the city of David, named for his father. Then his son Rehoboam became the next king. Okay. Now, if it's okay with everyone. A lot of drama. We'll jump forward. Yeah. Visit of the Queen of Sheba. When When the Queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. She arrived with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities with 
of gold and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all of her questions. Nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. When the Queen of Sheba realized how wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers and their robes, and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, Everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom, it's true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of your great wisdom. It is far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day, listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God, who delights in you and has placed you on the throne as king to rule for him. Because God loves Israel and desires his kingdom to last forever, he's made you king over them so you can rule with justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold, great quantities of spices, and precious jewels. Never before had there been spices as fine as those the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. In addition, the crews of Hiram and Solomon brought gold from Ophir, and they also brought red sandalwood and precious jewels. The king used the sandalwood to make steps for the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and to construct lyres and harps for the musicians. Never before had such a beautiful thing been seen in Judah. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba whatever she asked for, gifts of greater value than the gifts she had given him. Then she and all her attendants returned to their own land. Yeah, Solomon's wealth and splendor. Each year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold, and that's nice. Uh, this did not include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders. All the kings of Arabia and the governors of the provinces also brought gold and silver to Solomon. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, each weighing more than 15 pounds. He also made 300 smaller shields of hammered gold, each weighing more than 7.5 pounds. Mm -hmm. The king placed these shields in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. Then the king made a huge throne, decorated with ivory and overlaid with pure gold. The throne had six steps with a footstool of gold. There were armrests on both sides of the seat, and the figure of a lion stood on each side of the throne. There was also twelve other lions, one standing on each of the own six steps. No other throne in all the world could be compared with it. All of King Solomon's drinking cups were solid gold, as were all the utensils in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. They were not made of silver, for silver was considered worthless in Solomon's day. Yeah. The king had a fleet of trading ships of Tarshish, manned by the sailors sent by Hiram. Once every three years, the ships returned loaded with gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. It's good that they brought in those apes. Yeah, and peacocks. Yeah. So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any king on earth. Kings from every nation came to consult him and to hear the wisdom God had given him. Year after year, everyone who visited brought him gifts of silver and gold, clothing, weapons, spices, horses, and mules. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for his horses and chariots, and he had 12,000 horses. He stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some near him in Jerusalem. He ruled over all the kings from the Euphrates River in the north to the land of the Philistines and the border of Egypt in the south. The king made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone, and valuable cedar timber was as common as the sycamore fig trees that grow in the foothills of Judah. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and many other countries. This is a summary of Solomon's reign. The rest of the events of Solomon's reign, from the beginning to end, are recorded in the record of Nathan the prophet and the prophecy of Ahijah from Shiloh, and also in the visions of Iddo the seer concerning Jeroboam son of Nebat. Solomon ruled in Jerusalem over all Israel for 40 years. When he died, he was buried in the city of David, named for his father. Then his son, Rehoboam, became the next king. Okay. Good job, Eric. Way to go. Thank you. I really put it all out there today. Okay. You did. 
I mean, I messed it up again, but it's cool. That's all right. It's cool. It's fine. This is real, raw, unedited. That's right. Hey, let's get to the so what here today. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so what is this? Um, this is the beginning of the end for Israel. Mm -hmm. You know, basically, God's people, they're going to be divided and just, they'll have some good kings and they'll have a lot of bad kings. And they're going to go to Assyria, <laughs> taken to Babylon. And it's it just right here. This is the beginning is of starts. the end. This yep. is where it starts. And I think this reading to me is very interesting, Eric, because you got Queen of Sheba, one of my favorites, comes yeah. in. You are wise. You're amazing. You're incredible. Praise God for you. I discovered more than I thought. Wow, wow, wow. So, so what we have before us today in the reading is a picture, possibly a, a picture of hearing all this good stuff and then that idea that pride comes before a fall. Mm. And so you hear this good stuff, you are so wise, you're so amazing, and then the way this is kind of laid out here, we have for us where Solomon then sinned, what did he do? Well, all these women from other other, other kingdoms, other nations that had false gods. <clears throat> he was warned about it, heads up about it, yet, even though he's the wisest man, he became a fool. Mm -hmm. And so no matter how wise we can we are or try to be where we think we are it's just we're one decision away of becoming a fool yep so pay the so what today is pay a close pay close attention to every decision really life is all about decisions yeah we have a lot it's of decisions. a series of yeah yeah boom yeah. boom 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 is it wise is it foolish what's the wise thing to do because we're one decision away of, of becoming a fool and ruining Everything now, God's gonna make it good and bring in Jesus, and it's gonna be awesome. Right. But you know, that's the practical application for us mm -hmm. today. Yeah, and I think you know you've really hit this one in the past too. That the the bad decision he made, the the foolishness that he displayed, was who he led into his inner circle. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah, nailed it, nailed it. And God, when God said, "Don't marry women from other lands," it wasn't. Because I don't want you to marry women from other lands. It was because they they have other gods and they're going to corrupt you. Don't open your inner circle to yeah. people that are going to corrupt you. Yeah. And you're right. It's the beginning and the end. So, <clears throat> so Jesus, jumping forward here, uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, he is speaking. Yeah. And he kind of goes through. Uh, he's talking to people and teaching and whatever. And one day some of the religious law and pharisees you know teachers came to him and said uh we want we want you to show us a miracle and jesus jumps forward and says uh you know only an evil adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign i'll show you the sign of jonah so jonah dies or jonah goes in the whale for three days jesus dies for three days comes back hmm. and then he said and just so you know in those days the people of nineveh which is assyria so like you said uh, the assyrians yeah, yeah, would judge yeah. israel those mm -hmm. people will judge you on judgment day mm -hmm. So meaning that the, the Pharisees will be worse off on Judgment Day than the people who came and conquered in Israel yeah. before. And then he says, the Queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it. For she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. Hmm. So what Jesus is saying here is that um, it, well, so whole, Jesus' whole ministry is about opening things up to the Gentiles. And so we see the Queen of Sheba, and she's a Gentile queen who came mm -hmm. to seek wisdom and see the, the power of God at work in Israel. Yeah. And Jesus says, uh, you know, he uses her as, 
the big word is a synecdoche or like a metaphor for the Gentiles who will be better off on Judgment Day because they accept Jesus than the Jews who are keeping the law the whole way through. And so uh, Jesus will use this very pertinent uh, sort of example from the Queen of Sheba to show how the gospel opens up to all nations. And he uses it to establish a pattern that, hey, it's always kind of been that way. That all I was here, mm-hmm. you know, God was here for all nations to see, you know, and then the Pharisees came in and really shut everything off. And Jesus oh. is saying, no, no, it's not going to be that way. So that's where Jesus is in the text. Very good. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Have a great day. We're so proud of you. Share this with friends and family. Yeah, and do it. Wear I dare the, you. Yeah, and wear the Binge the Bible t-shirt. Yeah, I dare you to do that too. Okay. Yeah. Bye-bye. Double dog dare. Really? Triple dog dare.